hey everyone, welcome to Speculative Work. I'm James Aaron, and this is my science fiction author's diary, where I share what I've been working on for the past week, things I've learned and mistakes I've made, so hopefully you won't make them too. And I say the past week, but it's been longer than that, so I apologize for the hang-up. There have been a lot of things happening, and I'm going to talk about some of those things. So some updates since last time. I'm actually talking to you from my daughter's room, which is where I had my office, and now it's actually set up as a room for a toddler. So I had to move everything, uh, not everything, but my laptop and my microphone and, and other good stuff like that back into the room so I could record because I had set up a, a space to work that's kind of in a, a family area and it wasn't going to work for recording. So a big lesson I've learned since you know getting this room all set up is that not having a dedicated space just to get things done makes it really hard to get things done. Duh. So <laughs> that's that's been a been a change since the last time. I think the the la- during the last podcast I was talking about working on my next book, which is called The Spreading Fire, and that one's with Mal Cooper. I had been really beating myself up to get that book done, and I wrote forty thousand words. And Mal and I had kind of a miscommunication about when the book needed to be turned in to her. And she had a really brutal schedule this month with a bunch of travel, uh, going to a bunch of different cons, and it was all really good, successful stuff, learned a lot of lessons, but it also meant that with a publishing schedule, we weren't going to get my book done in time. And I think I've talked about this before, but you you might already know if you miss your pre-order deadline with Amazon, they take away your pre-order privileges for a year. But I may have already may have also talked about the fact that if you lose your pre-order privileges and you wait a little bit and then you ask, they will typically reinstate them. The problem is that I think Mal uh, has done this a few times now. <laughs> and so I was the one that was kind of the, this is the last time this is going to work. So we're actually waiting to see what's going to happen, but I think the book will be in a better place because of it. And we'll have more time to work on it together. So as of now, I don't have a release date for spreading fire, but it's going to be within September, October. So gives me a little bit more breathing room, but it also means that um, kind of throws off my schedule a little bit, but that's okay. I One of the things I really had to realize is that pushing myself to meet pre-order deadlines with the baby is really tough. And I think it's not fair to the books as well. Because it's just, uh, I, I never know what's going to happen. You know, that's the thing. Like you'll you'll plan and think that you've got time to work and then it just doesn't end up that way. And depending on what's happening, you know, with my day job and during the day, I can't really count on that time either. So I had been getting up early to, to write and that was working pretty well. Uh, but then for some reason, I don't know if she could just sense that I was getting up earlier Um, our daughter started getting up, like waking up as well. I would wake up at five, the alarm would go off and no sooner had I come out, you know, got my coffee together, started writing when I would hear the baby monitor go off and okay, they're not going to write at this point. So have to get some time at lunchtime or, you know, take a, a break between leaving work and then coming home to, to do some writing. And that's really when I was knocking out the words and it's funny because I, I actually enjoy the crunch time. It's when that's when I, I always kind of feel, I think every writer goes through this, but when you have to sit down and just do the work and get words out, like you don't 
feel great about it at the time. Like you're just really shoveling sand, like they say, so you can go back and, and look at it later and have something to work with. But actually, I've been pretty happy with what I've been writing. <laughs> um, I was just really focused on what the character, you know, what the characters are doing, where they're going to end up, what their motivations are, and not wanting to rewrite and th- not thinking I had time to rewrite. So that means I really need to think through everything before I start writing it. And I'm going to talk about kind of some plotting lessons learned once I get done with the updates. But I do like that that stress of needing to get the work needing to hit a deadline. It's just trying to hit a deadline when I have things that are outside of my control, like the baby, it's, it's just kind of too much. You know, I think I've dealt with deadlines my whole career and I love that energy of when you're getting close to the end of the deadline and it's got, the work just has to be done. But when Godzilla stomps in and just takes away all that time that you thought you had, well, <laughs> now you just feel like a dummy for pushing, you know, up against the deadline. So Again, I learned that if I just wrote a thousand words a day, then I would actually do better than trying to crunch up to a deadline. But that also has been kind of difficult with with the baby and whatnot. So, so anyway, the book's going to get pushed, and we'll keep plugging away on it. Um, one cool thing that's coming up, and the reason that I wanted to get this podcast out is tomorrow we're heading up to Portland, and uh, Mal is actually in town after going to a couple different um, cons and one in Seattle that I'm blanking on the name of, I should know this. It's a gaming con, Um, but coming out of Portland and we're going to do an author dinner with some fans in Portland. And so that's going to be a bunch of fun. And I really enjoy it. The fan dinners are, they're fun. It's a, it's a little weird. It's a little awkward, but once you, you know, everybody relaxes and, um, and just starts talking, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I really, I really enjoy doing those so far. So, been fortunate enough to do a couple of them in Vegas, and then this will be our first one on the West Coast. So I'm, I'm stoked about that. We'll see how it goes. Other updates. So I think in my last episode, I had set a goal for myself to get the um, the form filled out to do a class with uh, the local um, WordCrafters, a nonprofit that does writing education in my area. And I did that, and it got accepted. So I'm going to be doing a class in October on income streams for authors. And this is something that I think a lot about. Now, obviously I'm not writing full time, but I, one of the things I want to talk about is the fact that like, even if you still have a day job, a part-time job, whatever, that's all part of your overall income picture. Right. And so until your writing can be equal to and exceed what you're making from your day job. So you can start, you know, you could potentially leave that job behind, or maybe you don't plan on doing that. How are you planning for that? That's what I want to talk about. And I, I devote a lot of thought to this. So <laughs> I'm excited to do this class. I hope it's going to help some people. And I love talking to people about audience building because I think a lot of writers don't ever think about it. You know, they're so focused on the story. They don't think about who they're going to sell it to or even the fact that they have to sell it. And they, they think about their focus potentially on selling it to an agent or to a publisher, but don't realize that those people are also focused on an audience. And so you got to start with, if you start from an audience, I think things are much easier. So I'm, I'm mentally forming the class in my mind and I'm pretty excited to be, uh, to be able to do that. So, um, that'll be coming up in October. I'll keep you posted on how that's going to turn out. Uh, A couple other new things. So part of getting the baby's room all together is, you know, 
recognizing I don't have a space to work in my house, <laughs> at least a space that's, you know, dedicated. So especially for podcasting, like writing is one thing, you know, I can write when there's noise happening and whatnot, but I cannot podcast. And I really enjoy podcasting. So I, I work on a university campus and there's a radio station and I volunteered at that station in the past. I just hadn't had time to do it recently. That's one of the reasons I like podcasting is because I spent time working in radio. So I went and talked to the director at the radio station to see what they had as for a studio space. And I got studio space. That's awesome. And when I was talking uh, to her about, okay, what do I need to do to either pay for this or put in volunteer time or whatever? She goes, well, how about you mention the, the radio station on your show and we can be a sponsor that way. And I was like, sure, why not? So the podcast will have a sponsor starting next time. As soon as I can get into the studio to record and it'll be sponsored by KWVA, which um, is fun. It kind of feels like a full circle sort of thing, but it's not something I expected. So I will be, um, I'll be mentioning that on some future podcasts. So that's cool. I'm, I'm excited to get into a regular rhythm with the podcast. Like one thing that's been tough is like it typically falls on Sunday nights and it's the same thing. You know, I, depending on how tired I am, if it's 10 PM or even later. And then, you know, as soon as I leave to, okay, I'm gonna go record now. And the baby immediately, you know, starts crying. So that, that means got to focus on that. So I'm really excited to have like time and a place where I can just go, go do it during my lunch break or even before work. And cause one cool thing about the radio station is that it's, it's a 24 seven deal. So they're always broadcasting. The studio is always open potentially. So, and then with the students, you know, they do everything third shift. So <laughs> if I get in there between 8am and noon, I can pretty much get anytime I want. And that's a, that's a good thing. So, so I can be more regular with the podcast. I can set a recording day and then start coming out with, you know, every Monday, this will be, the podcast will be available. And one of the things about podcasting, if you want to be successful in podcasting is you must be regular and set a schedule and abide by it. And it's funny because personally, I, I didn't realize how much I really enjoy the podcast that I listen to regularly until I can't listen to a new one on any given week. <laughs> and and it's funny. I listened to like my inspiration for this podcast was really a couple different author diaries that I enjoy listening to. And they're not huge professional productions. They're not, you know, they're they're talking about a lot of things that I already know about, but in a lot of ways I just really enjoy hearing what other folks are going through every week. And if I don't hear from them, it's like, oh man, are they going to stop? Are they, what, what's happening in their life? What, like all of a sudden you have this tension and you want to know what's, what's going on. <laughs> so I hope I haven't done that to anybody. And it just gets to the fact that I, I want to be more regular with, with my podcasting. So hopefully having, having this dedicated space, having a specific time that I do it every week to go in and record means that I'll be ready to have a new show every Monday, you know, so I'm, I'm stoked to, to have that set up. But that also gets to my biggest news. So I got a new job <laughs> and I had actually applied for this job back in May. Um, and I didn't the way, uh, so it's a, it's a job with the university again, and it's, it's adjacent to what I had been doing, but, but different in that I won't be supervising people and I'll have hopefully more control over my schedule and I'll have an office to myself. Um, 
my my previous job, I mean, I really enjoyed it and I felt really good about the work that I was doing, but I supervised a lot of people. My time was not my own in the sense that I never quite knew it was going to pop up on any given day and what they might need. And, and also I didn't have an office to myself. So that made it pretty difficult to just focus. And it, it's funny, I, as I get older, I get a little crankier about this, I guess. I don't know, but I, I really need time to be able to focus. And I was having to spend a lot of time outside my office in other places on the campus just so I could focus to do things. You know, I, I get a lot of questions about things that require actually, you know, focusing on the question, focusing on the project. And if I've got people coming in and out of my office, and also it was kind of a busy hallway with a lot of people coming in and out, um, it was just really hard to do the kind of work that I could feel good about. But this new job is going to be, it's uh, in a different a different building altogether, but it's, it's similar work, but but different. I don't know how to say it. I'm going, I'm going from managing physical security to being an emergency manager. And so it's, it's also an adjacent kind of career field that I have been trying to get into for a while. And so I'm really excited to be making this career change. Um, it feels like the first step in a new phase of my career that could be moving toward, um, not necessarily writing full time, but, it's, it's adjacent with all of these things that I like to do, you know, as I don't know, you feel like at points in your life, like if you're, if you're doing very separate things that you enjoy, you kind of feel like you're, you're living two lives almost, you know, and I think that's difficult. At least it's been very difficult for me. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to having, um, to having a career that that's aligned. I don't know. I don't know really how to put that. Um, but it's going to be a change. And it happened pretty suddenly. I had applied, I applied for the job. I interviewed, it was a Skype interview and I have been on the other end of Skype interviews. And I know how difficult it can be just to like hear people. And, you know, if you're sitting around a conference room and everybody's looking at the camera, depending on how well the interviewee like set up their microphone and whatnot, it's difficult to hear. And sometimes it, it feels like you're talking to the Wizard of Oz, you know, when you've got this person looming over you. And so I was not excited about being the interviewee in that scenario. So I put a lot of work into making sure my lighting was good. Um, I found a wall in my house with a standing desk. So there was nothing behind me and I set up lights and did the whole deal. <laughs> I practiced because I, re I really wanted this job. I practiced. I made like I came up with a whole bunch of questions that I would potentially ask myself and it's funny because I've done this before with, with my previous job and they didn't ask me questions that were nearly as difficult as the ones that I had come up with on my own. <laughs> but um, it, I think it helped me feel prepared. But the other weird thing about it is I was being interviewed by a number of people that I already knew that I work with all the time. So that you kind of knew going into it, like they either want you to do the job or they don't, or it's basically just on you to screw it up. And, and so... It worked out. I'm excited about that. So my first day is going to be the 3rd of September and I'll be uh, leaving the police department and moving uh, to a different department. So, so yeah, that's a big change. Um, I, I'm still not quite, I'm very excited about it, but I'm still not quite certain what it's going to mean. Um, it's definitely moving to more knowledge work, I guess, as opposed to uh, the doing work that I do because I, my job has very much been about like jumping in to fix things, planning systems. Um, but we do a lot of response. And while the emergency management job is, is 
all response and coordination. I'm not the doer, you know, I'll be coordinating with people. So, but one thing, you know, I really find interesting about planning work and project management, and this is all kind of the same sort of stuff. You know, I take everything I learned from the army that went into planning for deployment. That's really like planning for an incident, you know, or an event. You just got to think things through down to the smallest level of like a person standing in a parking lot that can't get into their house. (laughs) Um, What do they need? You know, which is like a soldier waiting to get on a plane um, with nothing to do. What do they need? And it's also like a story to me because a character, you know, a character needs things. A character wants to do things. You're, You're thinking all the way through these steps as part of the plot to make the story work in it in a way that makes sense. And so for me, all these things are kind of aligned. And I guess that's what I'm, I was kind of getting at with being more excited about this job that feels like it's aligned with the basic things that I like to do, which is, you know, kind of think, think through scenarios all the way out, which is what a story is, you know? So that's my big news, uh, for this, uh, for this podcast episode, (laughs) I'll, I'll let you know how things are going, um, you know, in the future. But one thing I wanted to talk about that I had definitely learned in working on spreading fire this time, which I think would be a good tip to take away is something I've been thinking of as refinement plotting. And it's not any, you know, grand revelation. It does help me focus as I move through the story and things kind of change or don't change or keeps me on the right azimuth. So I'm not wasting words as I'm writing. So I went through and I knew I wanted this book to be 60,000 words. And I knew that I, I tend to write in, I had to get the work done and I knew that if I could just focus on 500 words at a time, I, it's pretty easy to start writing. And for me personally, like I overwrite those scenes. So if each 500 word scene, I start with the goal of hitting 500 words, I'm pretty typically going to write to 700, if not a thousand words, but I still mapped out 120 scenes and I did that in Scrivener, you know, so I, I made parts, uh, I divide the book into parts. So three parts. And then break that down into 500 word scenes for each one. And then I went through and did an initial plotting. I actually, like for each part, I just did one word. You know, opening, battle, closure, that kind of thing. And then narrow down from there with each scene. And for each scene, I focus on each character. And you kind of start with, okay, where is the character now in the story? What do they need? What do they want to accomplish? And then with each scene, you know... What's their emotion when they go into it and when they come out of it? And then what is the tension that's there? And so loosely plotting all those things out, you know, I'll start with just a numbered list. A lot of times I'll just kind of write the story out to myself and then break that down into a numbered list that I fit into those scenes. And then with that and Scrivener, that's a place to start, right? I don't get too into depth on that. I start writing and once I, once I was like 10,000 words in, Okay, now it's time to start refining because I realized that, okay, 120 of these scenes is too many (laughs) because already I'm overwriting each of the previous scenes. So I go back and I refine and I kind of start over, start at the, you know, the point I've reached in my current outline. And I actually, I threw away the, what I had written before and I, and I re-outlined based on what I had previously written. And then once I got to 20,000 words, I did that again and 30,000 words. And what I found was where, and because I overwrite, this is pretty easy for me to do this, but I need to refine each time. So I'm kind of narrowing it down. And I also find that what I need to put into each scene gets more distinct 
and easier to write out. And at that point, actually, I'd stopped doing 500-word scenes and started doing 1,000-word scenes. Because the other thing I've realized is that as I get towards the end of, you know, once I hit the middle and get towards the end of the book, now it's time to start tightening things down. And I have to really do the math on, okay, I've got my character in this situation and looking at how many words I have left in the book, I've actually only got seven scenes to get, you know, to get this character through the conflict and resolution, at least for this, this book, which is not a lot of space to do that. So I do that basically every 10,000 words in the book, just get for me, just getting like getting an outline written out and then going through and refining it as I write helps me keep the book in my mind, keep the story in my mind, know what each character needs, and then also recognize places where, oh, I'm not doing what this character needs or I haven't plugged this character in enough. And 60,000 words is not a lot of room when it comes down to it, actually, because I'm dealing with five characters and it's not a lot of room to get a story, to get everything squeezed in for that. So I will probably go over, especially now that I have more time to work. But that's how I've been doing that when I'm on a deadline and I know I need to stay focused on where the story is going. And it's, it's actually worked very well for me. And the other thing is kind of that mind trick of the 500 words. If I can just start writing, like in, in 15 minutes, I can do 500 words. And then for me, that's kind of like the tipping point for the energy in the scene. Like I know where the characters are. I've kind of set up whatever exposition I'm going to be writing. And then I'm, in fact, for me, like I can write 300 words of exposition, just like explaining things pretty easy. Then we drop into dialogue. Then we get into conflict. And before I know it, I'm at, you know, 11, 1200 words. And it's time to finish up the scene. <laughs> um, so so that, that was very effective. And I could see just doing that. That might be a good method for me going forward. I also have been writing in Scrivener again, which is not something I had done. I was in Scrivener and then copying over into the word template that we use. And it was also a little bit of a uh, ego booster because of course there's a bunch of extra words in the template. <laughs> and so I would, you know, I'm at 30,000 words, but then as I copy things over, it's like, no, you're actually at 35,000 words in the printed book. Like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Cause it, you know, it's adding all the other, other stuff in, which is not actually the case, but it does, you know, if you're pushing on a deadline, it helps you feel better about where you are. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think, you know, moving from like one word descriptions of parts of the book into, you know, 500 word scenes. And then as you move through, just keep refining your outline so that you're not you don't find yourself going off in some crazy direction that was not part of what you'd origi originally outlined. Rethinking, rewriting that out, keeping yourself focused on, on if you have new things that come up, well, okay, I'm just going to refocus and now I'll move in this new direction, incorporating these new ideas that I had, but I'm still going to have a plan for where I'm going to go and how I'm going to get there. And uh, that's my recommendation for this for this show. <laughs> Um, other things that are coming up soon, Sci-Fi Seattle is going to be happening at the end of September. That's a world building conference workshop that's being put on by uh, Jay Thorne and Zach Bohannon. I'm really excited to check that out. I noticed that uh, Lindsay Baroker is also going to be there. So I'm really excited to get to get to work with her and see how, how her process works. So yeah, I've got, I guess, some shows in between now and then, but I'll keep you posted on how, how that works out. And then things are starting to heat up for the 20 books conference in Vegas. People are talking about it and starting to set up meetings and things like that. I finally, I had my ticket to the conference and my, my hotel, like since the, the day after night, uh, the previous one ended, I just hadn't gotten a plane ticket. So I finally got that squared away. Yeah. I'll be excited to check that out. Like 
as always with that conference, like it's not the, the various presentations that are put on. It's actually the networking that happens with different people. And one thing, I don't know, I feel like 2019 has just been a lot more Facebook networking that I've been interacting with folks. And so I'll be excited to get to talk to them. A lot of people face to face at the conference. So, so I'm looking forward to that. And then I, I think I had mentioned that I signed up for authors on a train in January, which is going to be a, basically a writer's retreat where I fly into LA, get on a train and ride it up to San Francisco. And while we're on the train, we do a writing exercise. We're going to go to a mansion in San Francisco and then write over the weekend there and then fly out. <laughs> and so I have not ever done retreats like these as an, as an author. And so I'm, I'm excited to both have a vacation, I guess, and, and also get to go do this. Um, my wife is being a huge saint and making this possible. <laughs> so we'll see how, uh, how things progress with that. But, um, I had planned these trips before I changed jobs and I don't think it's going to affect, you know, the fact that there's a new job is not going to affect it. Of course, I shared that with them during the hiring process, um, before I accepted the, the job, but you never quite know how those things will go, but, um, I don't foresee there being a problem. And then another thing I've been debating quite a bit. So the fact that I'm, you know, in my daughter's room perched on a dresser right now recording, <laughs> I have really, I've been debating building an office in the back of our house and like an, a separate building. And, you know, you can buy these little sheds that look like little houses and all you got to do is they'll deliver it and then you have to finish it and whatnot. And that seems on the surface like a way to solve the problem. But when I think about actually like I'm at home going out, like even in the morning, you know, getting up, going outside to this other location to write, I'm not quite sure if that would actually happen. And so I think I maybe I need to actually think through maximizing ways to write when I'm outside the house and then when I come home, I'm just focused on, you know, just that kind of work is not going to get done here. So putting it, you know, finding other ways to, to use that time when I'm, when I'm away. I don't know. I mean, it, it wouldn't be hugely expensive, but it would be expensive. And I hate to build something that we, then we can't, I can't use for the purpose that it was made, you know? So we'll see what happens. We're still kind of thinking through some different options with that. Ideally, I would have something in the house, but I just don't quite have that right now. So we'll see how that works out. Okay, well, for for next next episode, I have a bunch of slush reading that I'm doing for the publisher. I want to get that done. I want to get the first draft of Spreading Fire done, and then I will have had the author dinner in Portland. So I'll be able to let you know how that went. And also maybe talk about some of the ways that it kind of works with, you know, marketing and and why things like this are kind of cool to do. Mal, I'm sure is going to be a character. So that's going to be, uh, it'll be fun to see how just all that stuff works out. So, I mean, it's just so cool to be, to go to an event with a group of people that cared enough about your work to come hang out with you. I mean, how, how cool is that? So I will keep you posted on, uh, on how it turns out. All right. So until next time, thanks for listening. If you got any thoughts or anything, drop me a, uh, an email, james at jamesaron.net. 
And I've also, I've received some requests for interviews. So that's, that's pretty cool. Like folks would like to come on the show. If you're, if you're an author doing something cool, drop me an email and we could work out a time now that I've got this studio space and can do a more regular schedule. I think it's something I'd really enjoy doing is more interviews. The interview with Josh Hayes was, was great. And his book continues to, to blow up edge of valor. So it's a great interview to, to, uh, to take a listen to. That was right before actually edge of valor came out. Okay. Thank you for listening. And until next time, happy writing. I will talk to you later. Bye.